The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Christ. And the truth is, it's all about Christ. This morning, even with the term Christian, right? Without Christ, all you have is I-A-N, and Ian can't help anyone. No one. It's all about Christ. And what makes the message of Christ different than any other message in the world is what we have sung about this morning, and that is the resurrection of a crucified Savior who got up again. And this morning, our prayer and our goal and our desire is simply this to talk about, to glory in, and proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important that you know this. The word resurrection literally means standing up again. Resurrection means to stand up again. And and that implies that there must be a laying down first. Do you understand that? So, when we come this morning to talk about the resurrection... We cannot help but talk about life and death and resurrection. They are heavy topics. They are deep topics. And they are topics that there's great curiosity about this morning. And and that goes back forever. Dante's Divine Comedy in the 1300s, talking about a vision of the afterlife. We have books and articles that are written about life and death and resurrection whether it's the 23 minutes in hell or heaven is for real, there's great curiosity about these subjects, about death and resurrection. There is also great contrast in beliefs about these topics. There are those this morning who literally believe that when we die, we're done. We cease to exist. Our consciousness stops. So no matter how short your life was, how difficult it may have been, the injustice that you faced, when you die, you're dead. Period. There is nothing left. It is finished. There are others who believe that somehow, some way, we'll just be absorbed into the, the cosmos and we'll become part of this universe. And still others have this idea of an endless cycle of reincarnation. And you know how that works. If you're good in this life, then hopefully in the next life, you're advanced. So that means if you're a man in this life and you do a really good job, you might come back as a woman. And if you're really bad as a man, right, you come back as a Cleveland Browns fan. That's how that works. There's contrast in these beliefs. And there's great confusion. You talk to anybody in our community, friends and family, and even in churches today, What is death? What is life? Is there a resurrection? And so I guess the question this morning is this. How can we, in all honesty, stand up here with any confidence whatsoever and say that there is a standing up again after this life? And the reason we can say that is because there was one who did. 
The only man in human history, the Lord Jesus Christ, said, I have the power to lay my life down, and I have the power to take it up again. And three days later, he did exactly that. He died, was buried, and rose again. Therefore, because he stood up again, we can with confidence this morning talk about life and death and resurrection because he is alive. This is our hope. This is our foundation. This is what it's all about. Now, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. And I think the best way to help you understand what Paul is doing in this text, because there's some folks confused in the Corinthian church, is to think about Christmas. And specifically to think about It's a Wonderful Life. You know that movie, A Wonderful Life? Forgive me, I'm going to go off the path here, but I promise I hope to be back on it in a minute. How many folks know what I'm talking about? Jimmy Stewart, Wonderful Life, right? How many people love that movie? How many people hate that movie? Yeah, hate it, hate it. Depressing, hate it. But if you know the story, here is George Bailey, a good guy, and and in his life, he was self-sacrificing, did his best for others, stayed home, took care of the bank, you know, the loan agency, did really well, um, and he had dreams of other things. And through a turn of events, his absent-minded uncle, Uncle Billy, lost $8,000, which back in those days was the equivalent of $110,000. And so here is George Bailey. He goes to the villain of the story, you know, Mr. Potter, who is evil, greedy, you know, taking homes from the orphans kind of guy. And Potter says to him, you're going to jail. And now in exasperation, George Bailey goes to a bridge. He wants to end his life. And God sends an angel, a second-class angel, Clarence, right, to go down and help him. And while he goes to help him, George Bailey says, I wish I never existed. He's about to jump. The angel falls in the water. Bailey has to rescue him. And then the angel says, I'm going to give you what you wish for. I'm going to show you what your life looked like, this alternate timeline of your life as if you never existed. And so if you know the story, he sees all the good that he would have done if he would have been there, it's gone. People die, lives are ruined. Uh, Bedford Falls becomes Potterville. It's an evil place. And the whole world changes because he did not exist. Right? That's the story. At the end, he realizes the importance of his life and the meaning, and you're supposed to be happy afterwards. That's how it goes. Paul does the same thing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or 15, verse 12. There are people in the church at Corinth, and they were confused about the resurrection because they believed in the immortality of the soul, that this soul will live forever and ever and ever, but they couldn't comprehend that this body would stand up again and live again. And so Paul says in verse number 12 of our text, Now if Christ be preached, that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And his argument is, just like George Bailey's, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, you and I won't rise from the dead. And now he's going to give us this alternate timeline 
if this didn't happen, look at the results. Are you with me so far? Do you know where we're at? So, here's what Paul says now in verses 14 through 19. If this did not happen, if this event that we're celebrating doesn't exist, it's problematic for us. Look at verse number 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is your preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So Paul now, he's going to take us on this journey, this, this alternate timeline, and he says, look it, if what we're celebrating this morning is false, then number one, your sermons whether you preach them in church or in conversations outside of this place, your sermons are corrupt. He uses the word vain, which means empty, meaningless, worthless. They're not efficacious. They will not accomplish anything. Your sermons are corrupt. Secondly, he says, you're still in your sins. Which means, not only are our sermons corrupt, we are condemned. If heaven is for those who are perfect, then if we die in our sins, we are hopeless. And so he says, we're still in our sins. Number three, he said, seeing your loved ones again who died in Christ, it won't happen. They have ceased to exist. And they are cold, dead corpse in the grave. And then he says, we should take condolences from the world. Because if none of this happened, we are of all men and women most miserable. And we should be pitied. Because all of this, the singing, the words, the preaching, the tears, the emotion, it's a joke. It it means nothing to anyone. We're wasting our time. Pack it up. Don't come for Easter. Don't come for Christmas. Don't come at all. This is a joke. And that's the timeline, this alternate timeline that Paul gives this church to make a point. If it didn't happen, this is a problem. But look now, if you would, at verse number 20. And my favorite verse in the text. But now is Christ Risen from the dead. And here's what he says. Yes, he died. Yes, he suffered. Yes, he was buried. And yes, three days later, he got up and he is standing up again in glory for his people. Christ is risen from the dead. Bodily stood up again. And the second part of that verse might sound strange because he says, and become the first fruits of them that slept. And, and for the Gentile mind, this sounds really strange. But for the Jewish mind, this is a source of comfort because he's talking about this offering of first fruits, 
where as a farmer would take the first part of his harvest, dedicate it to God. In essence, here's what he's saying. Here's the first part of this, this crop, and I'm believing that after this, a great harvest will follow of the same kind. And Paul says, I want you to know something. Because Jesus Christ stood up again, it is sure that we will stand up again as well. It's inevitable. It will happen. And not only is it sure, the way he rose bodily, it is similar for us. Listen to me. For the believer, we will not be ghosts in the next life. Right? We won't be spirits hovering around. We won't have wings eating Philly cream cheese on clouds. We might be eating Philly cream cheese because that's delicious, um, especially on a bagel with bacon. But, um, but, but we're not going to be doing the angel thing. We will rise bodily as Christ did with a new glorified body. And this is Paul's point. So, now all the things prior to this on that timeline that were vain and meaningless and empty, because Christ is alive today, all of it changes. All of it. Because Christ is risen, because he has stood up again, our sermons are not corrupt. Our sermons are all about Christ and Christ alone. Listen, in this place, you're not going to hear people pounding the pulpit out, we're Baptist, or we're religious, or we're the son of a preacher man, or any nonsense like that, what you will hear is we proclaim the risen Christ who has come to make all things new. And so we don't minimize Jesus. We talk about him all the time because it's all about Jesus. There's nothing else to talk about. If one loved you and died for you and got up again for you, then we ought not blush to speak his name. We should loudly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our sermons are not corrupt. They're all about Christ. Number two, our sins have been cleansed. Now, this is what I know. I've been doing this long enough. This is the part where some will sit and say, Ah, here we go. Those old archaic words, sin, transgression, iniquity. Where we're living in the 21st century, we're modern men. We need to shelf those words. Before you start your book burning this morning, let me give you definitions of those words, iniquity. Iniquity means crooked behavior. Transgression means broken trust. And sin literally means to miss the mark, to fail in a goal. And so this morning, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time talking about violating God's law. And that may surprise some of you. I think violating God's law, if we're honest, is way too easy this morning. Let me give you an example. The last six, don't lie. Ever. Not once, not fudging the truth not embellishing, not making up a... Don't lie ever. I would ask this morning, is there a man or woman here who can honestly say, I have never lied one time in my life. Not about a dinner or a pie that was made for me. Ooh, that was delicious. If you lie one time, you're a liar. One time. Don't steal anything ever. 
Once. Right? Change. Time. Money. Glory. Credit. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't dishonor your parents. Not one time. Not ever. Not once. Right? I'm getting a sense now that for the first three that we've talked about, we all know we're in trouble. Don't kill. Oh, good. That's glad. I'm glad you're good with that. The problem is Jesus expands that and says, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, that you hate them, that you wish they never existed, it's murder. Adultery. Then do that one. What about lust in your heart? Whether on a page or a computer or a woman or a man who walks by, that's not your husband or wife. And I know we wouldn't fail on this one. Covetousness. Wanting something that's not ours. Our neighbor's car, our neighbor's money, our neighbor's stuff. That's violation of God's law. They're there. And you say, okay, fine, but I don't feel guilty. This is a judicial punishment or verdict. Listen, when a judge has the defendant there, before he sentences him or her, he doesn't say, uh, by the way, do you feel guilty? They never ask that. The evidence demands a verdict. And the truth of the matter is this morning, it doesn't matter if you feel guilty or not, the sentence has been delivered from the highest court in heaven. We have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned our own way. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so, I'm not going to talk about this. I just did. But I'm not going to talk about this. This is violation of God's law. And the truth is, we are guilty. We sin. We miss the mark. Let me tell you about something else. What about the violation of God's love? This morning, you and I are created in the image of God. You and I were made. You want to know your purpose this morning? Your purpose this morning is to love and worship the creator of heaven. With all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. We were made to worship him and him alone. And you can say, I don't worship. The question is not, are you going to worship? We all worship. The question is, who are you going to worship, and what are you going to worship? Because you're going to worship someone or somebody. There's no way around it. We were created to. And we've exchanged the glory of God and his goodness and his uh, worship for worshiping the creature. The creature. We live for ourselves. We live for our work. We live for our stuff. We have reversed the order. And if you doubt what I'm saying, think about where your mind goes to when you have a free thought. Think about where your money goes to, your time, your talent. And we have become idolaters. We have quit worshiping the God of heaven, and we have worshiped ourselves or our stuff. We have broken his trust. We have crooked behavior. We don't love God, and we don't love others. And listen to me, don't play the, I'm a good guy, I'm a good girl, I'm a good person. That doesn't fly. Let's just be honest for once, real clarity this morning. If I judge my own heart and I say, okay, the good that I do, 
Why do I do it? Here's the truth for me. Number one, I do good things because of the way it makes me feel. I feel good. Yes, I do, just like James Brown. But can I tell you something? That goodness, it's not godly at all. That goodness is for me. When I do good, I do it for how it makes me feel. Or, number two, I do it because of what others will think about me. Oh, he's a good guy. She's a good girl. They're a good person. Stop it. We are not. We have missed the mark. We have no righteousness. So listen to me. Before I move on, hear me clearly. Because of Christ's resurrection... Our preaching is about the cross. We are cleansed from our sins. But you listen to me. Those of you who sit here thinking you're covered, consider this. How in the world are we, and how arrogant to think that lying, thieving, adulterous idolaters are going to step off this planet and enter into the throne room of the thrice holy God and think, after violating his law and violating his love, you're going to be okay. You are not going to be okay. There is no hope for you. None. And left in that stage, we will die in our sins. We will be cast into outer darkness forever. We will be separated from God for all eternity in a place called hell. And so, you can play the game of good guy, good girl. But you've got to ask, why did Jesus die? He didn't die for good people. We have no goodness. We have no righteousness. We are all guilty. And our mouths are stopped before the God of heaven. But we who've trusted Christ, who quit trying to do it on our own, who realized we had nothing to give and have repented and believed, we are no longer in our sins. Why? Because he bore the wrath. He drank the cup. He drank it dry. The wrath of God's condemnation. I don't have to take it. Nor do you. Because one did. And when he took it, he died. And the sacrifice was acceptable because he got up three days later. God's stamp of approval that that was accepted. We are no longer our sins. Number three. Seeing our loved ones who have died in Christ now is a certainty. It is a certainty. I will be like him, for I will see him as he is. I will be known even as I am known. And I want you to know something. For the believer, the people that we've lost, and we've lost quite a bit, We will see them again. We'll hold them again. We'll kiss them again. We'll embrace them again. And we will enjoy them forever again. Hey, atheist, you have no hope. Hey, the guy who's being absorbed in the universe, you have no hope. Hey, the endless cycles of reincarnation, you have no hope. Christian, because he stood up again, we have great hope. We have great hope. We will see them Again. And then finally this morning. We don't need the condolences of the world because we are the most miserable people on the planet. No. 
Let me tell you this morning, because one stood up, we are the chosen on this planet. We have been loved, we have been redeemed, we have been called out, we've been justified, we've been sanctified. We are the apple of God's eye. And not that Christianity is easy, and this is not some prosperity gospel, healthy, wealthy, and wise. But let me tell you something, brother and sister in Christ, because he lives, we have it all. We have it all. All. No matter the struggle, no matter the heartache, no matter the problems, it is not a hopeless end. It is an endless hope that we enjoy. And so, this morning, if you're here, and you've come and you're curious, or you're confused, or you've been confident in something you should have never been confident of, your goodness, your religion, and your way, let this be the day that you trust Christ. Don't leave this place this morning without knowing the one who died for you, who gave his blood for you, who was buried and rose again for you. Why will you die? Why will you be separated? You have heard the gospel. Repent and believe it. Believe it today. Don't leave here without knowing Christ as your Savior. There's no reason. He's alive. He died for you. He lives for you. But you must receive him. You must repent. You must come to him. And for those of us who know him, this truth should change everything. Quit living stupid lives that mean nothing. We have one who stood up again to give us life to make us new creations. So, my brother and sister in Christ, lift up your head and rejoice this morning because he stood up again. And we will too. We will too. He is risen.